0: I got to, I get to, I get to do this thing that makes me feel so empowered, so strong, so capable, and how awesome of an opportunity is that? Everyone. <laughs> Emily Abadi here. You are listening to Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. I I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna bring you in with a real intro today. I'm just gonna get right to the fact that, man, here we are. What is this? Tuesday. I'm recording this on Tuesday. It's coming out on Wednesday. I am two days removed from The London Marathon. And if I'm honest, I was originally planning on releasing this episode next Wednesday, but upon getting so many messages and wonderful emails from all of you uh, telling me that you were looking forward to the London Marathon recap, I figured that now was as good of a time as any to sit down, record it while it's still fresh in my mind and give you my feedback on what was truly an incredible, incredible day. Now, I I say this into the microphone under the assumption that maybe you've been here for a little while or a long while, but you're in the loop that on Sunday, October 2nd, does some math in my head, I ran my 11th marathon in London, and it was a journey, a journey understatement to get there. And so today on the pod, I'm giving you the full recap. No Big edits here just kind of stream of consciousness talking you through what was going on uh, maybe a little bit of behind the scenes depending on if you follow along on social or whatever but it was it was a day <laughs> and a lot of thoughts and feelings went into the day a lot of thoughts and feelings happened during the day and I certainly have many many of them now as well again i'm recording this in my paris hotel room i'm staring at the eiffel tower right now and overwhelmingly i i feel grateful that's the sentiment i'm walking away from sunday with for me sunday had nothing to do with time but of course that's a question that's going to come through so ultimately, I ran what was, according to my Garmin, something like 26.5 something miles in four hours, three minutes and 11 seconds. And we're going to get into it. So without further ado, make sure you're following along on the social at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. If you have questions about what you listen to in this episode. I would love to answer them and I would love to answer them in an upcoming episode, which means you know that I'm going to tell you I would love for you to leave me a voice message. The link to do that is in the show notes. <laughs> oh man. With that, let's get into it. Let's get to hurtling. It has been a year and a half about since I first signed up for the London Marathon. I registered for the 2021 London Marathon, I believe in March of 2021. And I trained for it. I'm going to link in the show notes kind of the journey that happened throughout last year. But the spoiler here is that I trained for this marathon, I developed some sort of strain. We think it was my psoas and ultimately had to withdraw from London last year. And so going in to this training cycle, kind of like my redemption moment in 2022, I was so excited simply for the opportunity to show up. And so I registered for the 2022 London Marathon, I think in April of this year, and I started training. And this training cycle was different than some of my previous training cycles for many reasons. First of all, I went into this training cycle knowing that my main priority was simply to run the marathon and to do it without injury. I believe that I was so impacted by having to withdraw last year that I was so focused on taking care of myself and actually getting to show up to the start in 2022. And so this year, I I went to weekly physical therapy, something that I didn't take lightly. Not only in my responsibility to show up for physical therapy and to go home and do the homework that so often goes hand in hand with such of an undertaking, but also the financial commitment. I put a lot of energy and a lot of thought into that. So there was that. I also made the conscious decision to work with a run coach. I think and I know that a lot of us runners, and I say that speaking to you, knowing that you may be one as well, we lean into the opportunity to work with a run coach for many different reasons. I have worked with a coach in the past because my goal was simply to run fast and to run faster than I had before. And this year, I decided to work with my run coach. Her name is Rebecca Stowe. I will link to an episode I did with her in the show notes as well. I decided to work with Stowe because I wanted help and guidance, knowing that my schedule was a bit crazy and I didn't want to put the extra brain work (laughs) into figuring out how to navigate marathon training when life already felt a little bit difficult to navigate on its own. So those were the two, let's say, experts that I had in my toolbox going into the marathon. Now that you know that, Let's talk about the weeks leading up to the marathon. I started this training cycle with a little bit of plantar fasciitis. I would say about a few weeks of PT later, the exercises that I received from my PT Luke, who was also recently on the pod, uh, in combination with the the therapy that he was helping me with, both of those things alleviated that plantar fasciitis pain. So I was able to really get into a groove with my training, focus in on the work that my run coach had me do and dial in there. Two months of training goes by and it's feeling really good, right? It's feeling like, how do I say this? I don't want to say that it felt effortless because God knows that if you run in the Northeast and you run in New York City that you know summer running is really freaking hard, but I felt very capable and almost more capable than I even expected. About maybe three weeks to a month ago, again, I'm recording this two days after I ran the marathon, I started to feel a twinge in my left knee after running my longest run before the long run, aka my 20-mile long run before the marathon again, about three weeks, a month ago. Typically speaking, I usually tackle as my longest run something like 22. Knowing that I had a history of plantar fasciitis, I was really working to be conservative and smart with my training. And so we decided that 20 would be my longest run. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, should I be running 22? Should I be running 20? I would advise you to consult one-on-one with someone who can talk to and speak to your situation. But with that said, this is just kind of what worked for me this time around. So after that long run, I dealt with some pain in my knee and I went to PT and through some hands on work and talking a lot through what I was experiencing, Luke told me that he was pretty sure I was navigating some tendonitis uh, related to the IT band. We start to incorporate different exercises in my routine to work on strengthening both my hips, my glutes, all the things that could be creating this wonkiness. And I make the decision a week after that to start dialing back on my running and subbing it in for cycling. Now, I got a question in my DMs about this decision because I wrote something like we wanted to create a similar training stimulus. And what that means specifically is a lot of the running that someone does leading up to the marathon is focused on endurance work, right? You're about to go out and tackle a 26.2 mile long run. You want to be able to make sure that you feel comfortable with time on feet. Depending on your goals, you may be incorporating other types of running into your routine, whether that be tempo work or interval-based work, something like 800-meter repeats, 400-meter repeats, mile repeats, what have you. My only goal was to mimic a training stimulus knowing that I had the training that I needed under my belt. I put in the work and I just wanted to make sure that I kept up my endurance efforts. So I think like three weeks before the marathon, I cycled something like 70 miles. Two weeks, it was 40 miles. And the week before was a mix of light running and cycling. So there's that. Okay. I feel like I've given you a lot of the necessary info you need to know how I showed up to London. I showed up to London as a result of the wonkiness in my left knee. I started to rejigger, stress out, the plantar fasciitis in my right foot once again. So what that meant is for me, the way that plantar fasciitis presents in my foot is that I feel a lot of pain in my heel. If you are new to the term plantar fasciitis, essentially what this means is there is a tendon that runs basically the length of your foot from the ball to the heel. When you have plantar fasciitis, it gets angry, it gets inflamed, and it causes pain traditionally, again, in that heel area. So I got to London and I would say in the week and a half leading up to London, that pain was real. It felt frustrating. I felt frustrated. I was both accepting and... I don't even think I was angry. I was just frustrated and accepting. I could be both. I was ready to surrender to the fact that there was absolutely nothing I could change about the pain that I was feeling in my heel while knowing that I was capable of tackling the effort that was ahead of me and that there were going to be things that were out of my control that I needed to accept if I wanted to show up and do the thing that I couldn't do the year before, period. About 48 hours before the race, I flew in. I felt surprisingly good on that flight. I got off of the flight and was pleasantly surprised at how my knee felt. It wasn't really presenting any pain whatsoever, something that was not the case the week before when I was on a flight coming back to New York from Los Angeles. And my heel really didn't feel any sort of way. I wouldn't say it felt normal, but it didn't feel nearly as bad as it had previously. In the I would say 24 hours leading up to the marathon, the pain in my heel as I had to stop by the expo and I just grabbed some like last minute things that I'd forgotten and whatnot. It was at a place where I really felt like, again, I keep coming back to the word surrender. Like I was, I had to surrender. There was absolutely nothing I could do besides utilize the tools in my toolbox to navigate the pain. And I even called the night before I went to to dinner. I was traveling with my my good friend that was also running the race. And I went to dinner with her. And after dinner, I I called my PT and I said, listen, Luke, how will I know? Like, what is the likelihood that I could actually like rupture my planter if it hurts during the marathon? And he told me it's very unlikely that. Uh, It's extremely unlikely that that's going to happen. And I said, I'm just trying to envision like all scenarios. And as I got off the phone with him and in probably like the hour and a half to two hours between the end of that phone call and, and when I went to bed and when I hobbled back to the hotel after eating pasta, I just like sat there and I thought about what it would feel like if I had to pull out. And I knew that there was a fine line between what would be manageable pain or discomfort, and the moment that I would know in my gut that I could be doing something that had long-term debilitating effects. I envisioned all of the possibilities. I envisioned what it could feel like to walk off of the course, hobble off of the course, and walk into a med tent and talk to a group of people with tears streaming down my face about the fact that I couldn't keep going. And I thought about what it could feel like to maybe be in pain, but also know that like the pain was manageable and that I could finish. And I thought about what it might feel like in the miraculous situation that the pain was gone when I would wake up in the morning and it would just be excellent. I thought about all of it. And I also thought about how grateful I was to even have the opportunity to start and how so many People would have killed to have that same chance, right? And I think what's important to stress here is that you can be both grateful and frustrated. You can feel both thankful and angry. You can feel both, right? And that's exactly how I felt when I got into my bed and I saw the light like sneaking in off of Piccadilly Circus. And I thought to myself, like, this is just how it is now. And I knew that despite laying there with like literally tears in my eyes, that there was nothing I could do except the things that were within my control. I was done being mad about the things that I had absolutely no power over. Absolutely done with it, right? Because wasting that energy, it just didn't do me any good. It's like if I was to tell you like tomorrow, and this was a situation for the marathon, it's going to rain tomorrow, right? You know that, right? It's going to rain tomorrow. There's absolutely nothing you can do about the fact that it's going to rain tomorrow. So what do you have the chance to do in that moment? You can accept that it's going to rain tomorrow and envision how you want to feel if it's going to rain tomorrow and think about the things that are within your power to do or you can sit there and you can be angry and you can decide that you're just going to sulk in the fact that it's going to rain tomorrow. And I wasn't going to do that anymore. And so that was it. I woke up on Sunday And I got dressed, and I took my ibuprofen, and I Uber Eats some coffee, (laughs) and I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I put on my clothes, and I did the best I could with what I had, and I grabbed my poncho thinking that it may rain, and I hopped on the tube and transferred to another train and got to the start. And up until I got to the start, I was thankful that I was with some friends of mine, but Each of us happened to be in different corrals. So once I got to the starting village, I had an hour with me and myself and my thoughts. And so I sat there and I just tried to do some breathing and a lot of stretching and a lot of warming up. And I radically accepted what was about to happen. It is such a bizarre feeling to accept the unknown, right? It was truly... It was – I'm trying to put this into words because I don't know if I still – I think I'm still trying to comprehend the growth that occurred for me, not only the morning before I crossed the starting line, but over the course of the race because the growth that happened for me was truly – something that I don't think, how I respond to the situation, it was something that I wasn't capable of a few years ago. And so that place of radical acceptance, me being okay with knowing that I couldn't control what happened next, that, that was, that was good for me. That was special for me. And so, yeah, I started, I ran into a, a teammate from New York in literally like a hundred yards out from the start. We walked there together and we were off and, and it began. And, you know, it began almost like any other marathon and that was kind of serendipitous. It began with me going out a little too fast and being excited and and going on my way. And literally there wasn't a single point during that entire marathon, if I'm going to speak to like what I feel about the London Marathon as a whole. There were spectators and people cheering along the entire course. I felt so supported, especially in the second half. There were moments, if I had to pick out like one thing that rubbed me the wrong way, that the course got pretty skinny, so to speak. And the field would have to narrow into like four or five people wide. And then it opened back up again. That would probably be my only critique of the entire course. But other than that, the marathon itself was beautiful. The crowd's energy was electric. And I really loved how it took me through so many different parts of London that I had never been to. I would say that... Maybe around mile 16 was the first time that I like really started to think about the pain in my heel. And at this point, I had been like running something like 8, 830, 845 miles. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not staring at my splits right now as I talk into this microphone. But my only goal, as I said, was to go out and complete this marathon My secondary goal of sorts was to not get injured, seriously. And overall, I wanted to make sure that I had fun. And so every once in a while, I would like do a check in with myself. And it was like, are you having fun? Are you smiling? Are you present? Are you looking around? Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, let's talk about Open. Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. I'm talking to you about my London Marathon experience, so I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that literally every day leading up to the starting line, I sat down and I did my four to five minutes of breathwork. And man, Man, did I need it. I typically do between five and let's say eight minutes of breath work every single morning to clear my head and get me ready for the day. And that was a huge part of me calming my nerves going into this really big moment. I love doing my meditations, typically in my living room. They help me come back to calm and gear up for whatever the day is going to throw my way. They've got unlimited live and on-demand breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. And I love it because not only can you connect directly with your teachers during in-class live streams, but you can also bring a friend to any class with unlimited guest passes. Plus, OPEN partners with musicians, producers, sound designers, DJs, and curators to co-create classes for an immersive experience that takes you deeper into your practice. Let's take a class together. Come on, let's do it. OPEN is giving Hurdle listeners 30 days free when you visit withopen.com slash hurdle. Again, you can join me on OPEN by going to withopen.com slash hurdle. Let me know what y'all think, and I will see you in class. Also gotta give some love to my friends at Element. Oh my God, where would I be without Element? Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It's super high caliber, plant-based with no sugar fillers, gluten, or other sketchy ingredients. I, my God, the grapefruit flavor, the watermelon flavor, the raspberry flavor. There's so many different tastes to suit every palette, And it was one of the first things that I set aside to bring with me out here to Europe. Of course, it's my go-to for endurance efforts, but I also love drinking it on the regular to make sure that I'm getting in those essential electrolytes. They have an awesome offer for hurdle listeners. Get a free element sample pack with your next Purchase. All you've got to do is head on over to drinkelement.com, that's drinklmnt.com hurdle to get your free sample pack today. Again, head on over to drinkelement.com, drinklmnt.com hurdle to get your sample pack today. And I noticed that so many times when I would go to do that gut check with myself, I was literally running and smiling and I laughed thinking about Kipchoge and how he's so known for that, right? And like, no wonder why he looks like he's having such a good time because he genuinely is. And he's like exhibiting that to the crowd. And I felt like I was doing that as well. Like, I mean, let's not compare myself to Kipchoge here, but (laughs) just looking around and truly being happy with the fact that like... I was so aware, like I was so aware of my surroundings and I high-fived a zillion small children and I like randomly took candy from strangers. Yeah, saying that out loud makes me feel some kind of way, but gummies and small chocolates and the water and yeah, everything, right? And again, 16 comes and the pain starts to hit. And when the pain starts to hit, it's familiar. It's something that I know that I have run through before and can run through again. That persists for the rest of the run. So when you're at mile 16, you're running a 26-mile race, you have 10 miles left. That means that give or take, you know, I'm so bad at math. I knew I had at least an hour and a half of running left. And so I really, really shifted my focus into finding the fun. I thought that if I got outside of my body and I paid attention to my surroundings and I allowed others to lift me up on my way that I would get to where I wanted to go. And what an applicable takeaway, right? What an applicable takeaway it is to allow others to help you when you need help. I know I'm not the only person that struggles with that, right? I know that I'm not the only person who wants to be able to take care of things for themselves. But in this moment, it was such an important reminder for me to allow other people to show up for me. I needed them, period. Somewhere around this point in time during the marathon, I spot my good friend that I'm traveling with like up ahead of me. I get a burst of energy. I sprint up to catch her. It's so good to see her. I take a slew of paparazzi photos (laughs) while running. And then within seconds, I'm like, you think that you're going to run 730s to run along with her and you are kidding yourself. So I release her and I continue. And I realize that again, in that moment, I fed off of her energy and I needed to continue that. So I would say another two to three miles go by. And at the end of that third mile, I take out my AirPods and I commit. I commit to allowing this to happen. I commit to allowing other people to help me get to where I need to go. The pain at this point, I would say like mm, seven out of 10, still manageable, not debilitating. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that I was a hundred and fifty percent like probably run limping a little bit. I don't think it was super drastic, but I know that I was definitely starting to favor my left side in London. a lot of the local running crews running groups they, after mile 20, which was great for me in this instance. I saw, a link to his episode in the show notes, Charlie Dark, the founder of Rundem Crew, which is a collective of runners based here in London. I saw him at 21, and the energy from him and his crew was electric. I think at mile 22, uh, another woman that was from New York, she runs with a group called Rage and Release. She cheered for me. She said, uh, referencing my tank top, she said, "All right, old man. I run with a group called Old Man Run Club in New York, and I heard her. And in the string of ten minute miles, which was what I was, where I was at at that moment, I look at like now back at the at the readout from my my Strava and my Garmin, and there's like an eight thirty there, and that eight thirty is entirely because of her motivating me to keep going. And the rest of it between twenty two and twenty six was truly heart." Like, there's no there's no other way to to really put that right. There's no other way to articulate it. Like for me, when I think about what got me through those four miles, it was it was it was knowing that I could. It didn't feel good. Right. But what did feel good was paying attention to what was going on around me. What did feel good was the smiles and the cheers coming from the crowd. What did feel good was knowing that once I got to 22, there was absolutely nothing that was going to stop me from getting to 26.2 absolutely nothing. And and when I accepted that and when I knew that deep in my gut and deep in my soul, then the only thing that I had left to do was truly believe, was to believe in myself and to know that I had the opportunity to do this thing that I didn't think that I was genuinely capable of, not you know, mentally, <laughs> but physically less than 24 hours before. And so that's what happened. Surprisingly, I wasn't obscenely emotional when I crossed the finish line. I think I was just so, so grateful. But I crossed and, oh my God, I was so proud. Proud is really an understatement. I was so thankful, like so thankful that my body allowed me to do this thing that I love. So thankful that again, over a year and a half in the making, I was finally able to cross off this major moment from my bucket list and more than anything, proud of myself for the growth, proud of myself for not worrying about the time or how it looked, right? Like F the aesthetics. That was just something that was so not on my radar. If anything... When I think about this race, I think about that I really did it for me on my terms. I don't know if there has been a race, a run, a marathon that I have done since maybe my first marathon where I had the same goal that I had on Sunday, which was simply again to have fun and finish. And that despite the things that I could not control is exactly what I focused on. I stopped focusing on anybody else and I came back to calm. I came back to the notion that I got to, I get to, I get to do this thing that makes me feel so empowered, so strong, so capable. And... How awesome of an opportunity is that sitting here and reflecting on Sunday and knowing that there are going to be a nice handful of people that listen to these reflections. I really do believe that the takeaway that feels the strongest, what I want you to walk away from this episode knowing is that you've got to run for you. It's, it's a beautiful thing to dedicate your run to other people. It's a beautiful thing to run for a good cause. But at the end of the day, the journey is about you, period. If running a marathon, going after any other goal isn't something that lights your soul on fire, then you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it in the first place? I showed up on Sunday despite the pain, despite my doubts, despite the unknown, because I knew how important it was to me. And I went out there on Sunday and I did the thing that makes me feel like me because it felt right. But when we do things because of others or social media or external pressures and we seek that external validation, it's not gonna feel the same. And so I leave this recap. well, I know I need to tell you how I'm doing right now after the after the fact, but before we kind of get into that, I leave uh, I leave this recap with a lot of gratitude and a resounding perspective that. I can do hard things, and that there is so much beauty in letting go of the unknown and believing in the potential of possibility while also being realistic. I'm never going to tell you to be like obscenely positive just to be positive. Again, I went to bed crying <laughs> on Saturday night, but I woke up on Sunday ready with my whole heart to accept whatever was going to happen next. And so, Whatever your big goal is, your big, scary, hairy, audacious goal, I encourage you to approach it with heart, to approach it with determination, to approach it with grit, and know that you have to be your own biggest hype man. You have to believe in you to go after the things that you want, to show up with your whole heart. And that's exactly what I did on Sunday. I gave it every little bit of myself because I am worth that. And so are you. How am I doing right now? I'm okay. (laughs) I'm uh, again in Paris. I'm kind of limping around and I have a date with my PT next week. I feel tight, but nothing that some stretching hasn't been helping with. I've been using all of my recovery tools. I traveled with a pair of Norma Tech Go. I've got a small hyper ice Go with me. I've got a bunch of muscle sprays. I went and got a leg massage yesterday. So I'm doing the best I can with what I have just like I did before I showed up to the starting line and I'm okay. Am I thinking about running anytime soon? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I am looking forward to trying out some new stuff once I get home and and really focusing on, on what feels good. Starting with though now, which means that I've got a bottle of red wine I'm staring at. And uh, some exploring to do. Thank you. I can't say that enough. Thank you, all of you. Every single person that's listened to this up until this point and that has supported me on this journey. I cannot imagine at this point now uh, doing all this without the opportunity to to interact with all of you. So I'm grateful for that. And I hope that me sharing my story and getting vulnerable about what I've went through and what I will continue to go through helps you as you conquer the hurdles that are going to show up for you inevitably. Uh, Again, questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, I wanna hear them and I'd love for you to leave me a listener question, leave me a voice message. The link to that is in the show notes. And I know, let me just say this now, what's next? I don't have an answer for you. Can we just focus on the present? (laughs) Let's focus on the present. At Emily Abadi, at hurdle podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.